Hello, if you're here for the first time, if you're new, if I've not met you before, good to kind of meet you from a distance. And, um, and we're carrying on our series, um, <clears throat> as Ben said at the beginning, looking at um, key kind of values. Um, so, yeah, this phrase that LCC, Lowestoft Community Church, is a family of Christ followers who together are dot, dot, dot. So I thought we'd have a little bit of an experiment. Can you remember the dot, dot, dots that we've had up to this point? So, how many have we had, Ben? Six, seven, Mike? Something like that? All right, let's aim for five between us, shall we? <laughs> let's set the bar a little bit lower. Um, can you remember, we're a family of Christ followers who together do what? Pray, yep. Make disciples. Give, generous, generous yep. Share our faith, yep. So you have to shout louder, I'm serve, who serve together, yeah. Right, and we've got this one today, this one. So we got quite a few there, didn't we? That's good. Okay, so we're carrying on and we're going to look at starting, strengthening and serving other churches. So we're looking this morning beyond our borders, beyond Lowestoft. And I totally realise that having come through COVID and, or come through, still coming through, and it's still affecting our lives in, in all sorts of ways, maybe. And um, you're coming out of something uh, doesn't mean you're through it yet. And, and sometimes you think, well, I can barely think about, I don't know, what I'm having for breakfast, let alone the nations, and kind of get caught up in this vision to the nations that the Bible talks about. If you know, you know what the Bible says, you know what Jesus said when he said, go and make disciples. And Bolly talked about that the other week, didn't he? Making disciples. Well, that's not just in Jerusalem, was it? Not just your hometown. It's Judea, Samaria, Judea, and, and the ends of the earth. It's going to the ends of the earth. And, and we see this vision, as it were, this um, breadth right from the beginning. And yet, like I said, we can feel, well, I'm just trying to do life. <laughs> I'm just trying to get the kids up for school and make sure they've got clothes on. That don't you know, or I'm just trying to do my job and I'm trying to deal with situations there, or maybe in family and 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 now today you're going to talk about the nations and and church planting and strengthening other churches. Well, how does that fit with me in my life where I'm at right now? And it's a fair question to ask, and I hope that what we unpack together a little bit will be really helpful. And uh, in Colossians, this um, letter that Apostle Paul writes, Colossians one six, he says this: the gospel which has come to you, he says, is constantly bearing fruit. So this good news about Jesus that we've been celebrating and singing this morning, Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, all that he is, all that he's done, this proclamation of that, this declaration of this, hey, this is who Jesus is. There is forgiveness, this relationship with God through him. That, that this good news, he says, is bearing fruit and increasing in all the world. You and I, in fact, are recipients of people taking Jesus' command seriously, aren't we? Yeah? Because the gospel didn't start in Lowestoft, did it? There's a few miles between here and Jerusalem, and there wasn't always aeroplanes and boats or the internet or phone call. Or anything like that. And it took men and women 
who went, I think this is what Jesus has told us to do. To get on board boats, to walk down roads, to get on donkeys, to sacrifice their lives, some of them. In this nation, the reason, and Mike pointed this out, when he, and my bets when he talked about the Bible and the word of God, where people of, of, of the spirit and the word, he said, you know, people literally, literally gave their lives so we could read this in English. You know? And so we're recipients of people taking this seriously. And so we want to play our part in this, don't we? Loaded question, don't we? <laughs> right, so if you've got a Bible, um, turn to Acts chapter 21 or turn it on and scroll to it. Acts chapter 21. I'm just going to read some verses and, um, and then we'll sort of pick some stuff through this. It says this, Acts chapter 21. This is um, Paul. He's on his, um, Luke's recording this. He's on his missionary trips and so on. And... Um, and he's planting churches, strengthening churches, serving churches. And he's just leaving, uh, I think, Ephesus there. And it says this, when we parted from them and had set sail, we ran straight course to Kos. And think about the places here as well. Not your summer holidays, but just think of the, the places here. We ran, and there's a map here as well. Have we got the map, actually? Can we put the map up? There we go. Right, Acts 21. This is where it's starting in Miltus. This is where Paul is. And you've got Ephesus and modern-day Turkey there and so on, Greece over there. Again, try not to think about some holidays too much. So anyway, they sailed from, uh, where did we get to? Uh, the Kos. And the next day to Rhodes, from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we came in sight of Cyprus, anyone have been to Cyprus? Yep, some people, yep. We came in, in, in sight of Cyprus, leaving on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed at Tyre. And for there, the ship was to unload its cargo. After looking up some disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. And when our days there were ended, we left and started our journey, while they all, with their wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. After kneeling on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another, and then we went on board the ship, and they returned home again. When we'd finished the voyage... From Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemas. I can't, I don't know how you pronounce that properly, but I always figure say it quick enough and no one will know. At Ptolemas. And after greeting the brothers there and sisters, we stayed them for, with them for a day. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Now this man had four unmarried daughters who were prophetesses. As, as we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus, he came down from Judea, And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound it on his feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. So here's a prophecy, right? To encourage, yes? This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, um, we as local residents, we as well as the local residents, so the we there says something, doesn't it? We, not just Paul. But we, there's a team thing going on here. We, as well as the local residents, began begging him not to go to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he wouldn't be persuaded, they fell silent and they said, the will of the Lord be done. Then after these days, we got ready and started on our way to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Nason of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to stay. Loads in that. Um, and uh, we're just going to pick a little, few little things out of it to help us understand what this starting, strengthening and serving other churches looks like for each one of us. 
for each one of us to be involved in that in some way. And so we've got the first thing is, like I've said, this big vision. Paul had a big vision, the gospel to go out. Jesus said this, go out into all the world. And now we're living in days where it really is like that. The gospel is in the majority of nations and people groups in the world. I read somewhere recently, someone was arguing that they were saying that the, 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 the Christianity really is true, truly a global religion. Because it gets contextualized into cultures rather than trying to change cultures to kind of conform to a certain thing. Now, it hasn't always been done like that, right? Us Brits, history, not always good in the way this has happened. But the gospel gets contextualized into these people groups. And um, so we've got another map here. Can you put the other map up? And you've got this on your seats as well. So we're part of a relational mission, family of churches. And these are some of the churches or the majority of churches that we're part of or church plants and this is what we're aiming for at the minute, um, church planting across Europe and so on. We've got churches as far as Japan, there you go, church plants in North Korea, Taiwan, um, quite a few in the east of England. You can see we're fairly weighted there, you know, so some spreading out to do with relational mission, but that's what we're looking to do. It's a big vision. It's beyond any one church. It's beyond any one person. It's going to take all of us to be engaged in this in some way. Now, what we thought we'd do is, well, now... Um, Grace, many of you know, went to Stockholm um, to visit the church there. So you can see the mark on the map. There you go, up the top, um, top left. There's Stockholm and our um, dear friends, Phil and Emma Whittle. Um, saw them yesterday, actually. We were at RM thing yesterday. And good to see them. And Grace, you spent some time out there. I know you shared this already, but it was at the beginning of a meeting. And we just thought we'd share again a little bit about your trip. And you're going to be interviewed by a young person. Is that right? And what's your name? Amy, you're going to be interviewed by Amy. So do you want to come up and, Amy, you're going to ask Grace some really difficult questions. Yeah? Uh, are you going to sit on? Yeah, give him a round of applause. Encourage. Yeah, get a couple of chairs up here. Do you want another chair? We thought it would be good to just hear a bit more from Grace and her trip to Stockholm and what that was like, because this is exactly part of what we do. Talking to him. Grace. <laughs> Grace, for those of us that do not know what is a church plant, can you please tell us? So a church plant is like a smaller um, kind of church that's gone out into a community and started up afresh. I think I'm getting this right. And they um, kind of don't have elders, but they have people leading it and running it. And it's kind of quite a small church. And Grace, how did you get to Sweden? Did you cycle? I think my calves would be dead if I cycled. Um, we, um, we got a plane and we had a two hour and ten minute journey both ways. Why did you move to Sweden? So I only went to Sweden for a week, um, but we went because we were um, going to go and help the church and do a few things there. Um, Grace, tell me how was it when you moved to Sweden? Were the were the people nice? Um, what was your favourite food? And did they have a bakery there? <laughs> so the people were very nice. Um, they were very welcoming. Um, 
There were quite a lot of non-Swedish people in the church. So they had an English congregation and a Swahili speaking congregation. Um, and the food was nice, although we had to cater for ourselves. So sometimes it wasn't so nice. But when other people were cooking, it was lovely. Um, and there were there were bakeries. Yeah. Yeah. Very yummy. Very yummy bakeries. Where did you stay? We stayed in cabins. So they had two bedrooms we had four of us in those so they were quite small but it was nice and it was really lovely scenery with like a nice pond did you see any miracles happen if you did can you please tell us yeah so we had some problem hang on i've got to think now. that's a good question um we had an opportunity on the street to go and talk about jesus to people so it was really cool so we got to pray people on the street so i think probably that was that was an amazing experience so yeah but i'm not sure other people may have seen some miracles but yeah and last but not least do you know any words in swedish mm. <laughs> i know fika which is basically they announce fika and you get tea and cake so that's a good word to know <laughs> thank you very much grace thank you Thank you, Amy. Thank you. So what, what was that word again? Fika. And you say that, what, if you want cake, uh, cakes and tea and... Okay. All right. There you go. Shall we all say it? Fika. Can anyone say it? Fika. You've learned some Swedish. If nothing else today, you've learned some Swedish. Um, I always think of the Swedish chef off the Muppets when I think of the Swedes, which probably isn't helpful, to be honest. Um, but anyway, that's the mission. It's a big mission, and we're all to be engaged in some way. And going out and spending time like that is a massive deal for those churches on the ground, these church plants, these kind of establishing new communities and so on. It's a big deal when someone just comes and visits. And we see that here, don't we? We see Paul visiting people, and it strengthens the local churches. So then we come to the community of the mission. We've got the big mission, the commission that Jesus gives us. And then there's the community of the mission. What do we learn about the people? Well, three times in the verses we read, there was the word disciple. Okay, it mentions it three times. And I'm not going to go into that now, but I just encourage you, listen to Mike Bollinger's preach from the other week. He unpacked what a disciple is and discipleship and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'd encourage you to go and listen to that. But that was a word that, that Luke uses to describe them. They weren't a random kind of bunch of people who were kind of sort of believed in something out there somewhere sometime. They were people who were following after Jesus with their lives. So they were disciples. And the second thing is that they were gifted differently. So as I read through that, or you followed it through, what gifts did you see on display through this passage? Prophecy, that was there. Be careful. Go on. Sorry? Faith. Yeah, it took faith. Very good. Anything else? What other gifts do we see there? Hospitality. You say hospitality? Yeah, people welcoming people into their homes. Anything else? Putting you on the spot, aren't I? <laughs> well, what was Paul? Paul, the Apostle Paul, clues in the first bit, Apostle. 
The Apostle Paul, the Bible talks about gifts to the church, those that go out and plant churches and so on. Well, you've got that gift there. And then what about Philip? What was Philip? An evangelist. So you've got evangelism there. You've got the evangelist there. And he's four daughters who prophesy. Um, and you've got generosity, like we said, and hospitality, people opening their homes. There's also another kind of gift going on here that isn't explicitly in the text, but who wrote this? Luke. Luke wrote it. And Luke was kind of in the background making notes about what was going on. Very much in the background. So much so that when we read it, we kind of forget about Luke, don't we? And yet look at his contribution that 2,000 years later, because of what he did, and he did what he felt God calling him to do, it contributed to what? Global Christianity. I mean, come on. Sometimes we think the things we do that are not seen or people don't notice don't matter. Is that true? In fact, they build the church. They build the church. So there's all, all sorts of gifts. There's this beautiful diversity that is going on here. We all have a part to play. And, um, and we also see all the generations here as well. So I thought we'd have a little go at lining up, seeing how many generations. Who's the oldest and who's the youngest and who's in between? So, <laughs> okay, so I'd like to have some people between noughts and ten. Can we do that? Who's the youngest in the church? Oh, you might not bring him up. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. But have we got some... Who would you be prepared? This might completely fail miserably. But who would, who's up for just coming, standing along and displaying the kind of generations of the church? Come on. Youngest, children. Can we have any children up? You're young, Ben. You're not young. Come on. Actually, Ben, get on your feet. You can be the first up. How old are you, Ben? Um, <laughs> How much? 46. 46. So you're kind of middle-aged now. So... <laughs> There we go, Ben. Slightly over middle-aged, in fact. So which way are we going to go? Youngest that end. Okay. You go here. Okay. So uh, younger than Ben. Well, you're going to use Ben as the... Um, uh, thank you. Keep coming up. Not many younger. 46. Ben's the benchmark. 40. Okay. Brilliant. 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 Young. We've got very young there. Brilliant. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's a bit of fun. Come on. Keep coming. Now, look. We're missing a gap here. Come on. Who's in their 30s? 20s? Teens? I realise teenagers might not want to come and stand up front. I totally understand that. But can't move up. You're 30. 13. I thought you said you're 30. I thought, wow, you're ageing really well. <laughs> we'll have some of that secret sauce. Yeah, sneak in. Yeah, come on. Okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. Am I allowed to ask any older? Or not? Come on, Joan. Come on, Joan. You know, you know, in life, sometimes you meet people and, and you think, do you know what? When I grow up, I want to be like them. And Joan is one of those for me. Um, and I mean that, Joan. Now, this is obviously, well done for coming up, you lot. Well done. This is church family. It's all ages. There's a beautiful diversity that we see through here. We see Philip with his daughters. We see the people on um, saying goodbye to Paul. We see them with, with their family. They're not people, this generation, and I know you know this, but they're not kind of waiting to become the church. They are the church. Okay? That's true, isn't it? It's every age matters. Every generation is important. And it's important that we invest in and spend time with all the different generations, all the different people, different ages. There's a beautiful diversity in the church, and we've got to keep intentionally leaning into this, yes? 
And also crossing the generations and mixing it up as well, whether that's in community groups or other places, but not just spending time with the same generations and all the rest of it or people that are like us. There's meant to be this beautiful diversity and unity that we see within the local church. And this is just a small snapshot of that. Ben, you're quite a way up that end now, aren't you? Just saying. Um, Anyway, please uh, sit down. Thank you very much for coming up. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there's this beautiful diversity of gifting that we see in this passage. There's all these different ages, different ethnicities. We see Jews and Gentiles together. We see people differently gifted who are together. Everyone has a part to play. And then we see them in deep relationships. Actually, I need another couple of children, um, please. And uh, can I have two more? (laughs) Two children? (laughs) Two children, please. To the front. Um, I've got my Velcro here. And I want a bit of a tugging. Oh, brilliant. Well done. What's your name? Ted, do you want to come up on the stage, Ted? Do you want to come up here, mate? Hello, Ted. Nice to meet you. I'm Toby. Good to meet you, Ted. And you are? Zach. Now, you look... I'm children less strong, but you two look really strong. But anyway, it should illustrate the point still. What I want you to do, I have my super strong Velcro here, right? And uh, I want you to pull it apart, okay? So take hold of that, Ted, Zach. Zach, yep, yep. Take hold of that, and then I want you to pull it apart. Make it look hard. Please make it look hard. Okay, try and pull it apart. Pull it apart. Pull it apart. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well done. There you go. There you go. Thank you very much. So that, that was it. And I haven't got any reward. I just realized I have no sweets. <laughs> That's a fail, isn't it? I'm going to have to remember. Next week I'm preaching, right? And I'm going to have something for you guys, all right? So come and see me next week. And I absolutely will. Gene, can you, can you remind me? <laughs> There's a fail. Dear me, so sorry. Wow. Now, the point of the Velcro is this, is that when in verse 1, there is a point to this. In verse 1, it says that we tore ourselves away, or when we parted. And it's referring to the bit before where it says that they were on the beach. And it says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 37. They knelt down and prayed. They began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, they would not see his face again. That doesn't speak to me of surface relationships. That speaks to me about a deep commitment and love for one another. And so much so that the word that Luke uses to describe what it was like to leave, it was like this tearing away. It wasn't just a kind of slipping away and who was Paul. It was a tearing away. And it's like that. The, the, the relationship God wants us to build, we are uniquely diverse and all the rest of it, but there are these deep relationships, which is why Paul says that you're breaking my heart in this, because there was this love for one another. And that's what we've got to pursue, you know, isn't it? Our, our unity together in our diversity, but our deep love and relationships for one another. There's these deep relationships. And then we go on to the next thing, really. We've seen the kind of community of the mission. They were disciples. They were gifted differently. They're diverse people. They're in deep relationships. But then we see the cost of the mission as well here. The cost of people leaving. The tears that were shed when someone's called on. And when you're in church life, sometimes it's like that. There is a a cost to it as people go out and start churches and plant churches. I'm sure you've seen that here. We've seen that in, in Norwich and church I'm part of. Our dear friends who don't see as much of now because we're trying to do what Jesus said, which is 
keep going to all the nations with the good news. And we see that through the Gospels. We see it through the letters that Paul's write. We see it in the book of Acts, don't we? These opportunities, but there's challenges. We see successes, but there's disappointments and there's pain. We see fruitfulness, but we also see failures. We see joys, we see suffering. And it's part of the course, actually, that we follow Jesus. It's not going to be easy. Jesus said the way is hard. The gospel is wonderfully in one sense, easy to understand. Um, but yet, following Jesus isn't easy. And Jesus said, you will have suffering in this life. You will enter the kingdom of heaven through what? Many joys and pleasures in life? Is that what Jesus said? You'll enter the kingdom of heaven through what? Many trials. That's, that's the reality. And that's why we need to be with one another and not doing this on our own and so on. But also aware of the cost of it as well. It wasn't unusual, it's not unusual as you read through the book of Acts and again the letters for people to, in following Jesus, that their lives and their livelihoods were often on the line. That's the reality that we see in the book of Acts. Lives and livelihoods are on the line. When you read about um, Philippians 2 verse 29 to 30, the Apostle Paul writes about this chap called Epaphroditus. And he says that Epaphroditus came close to death... For the work of Christ, risking his life. Okay, so this is Epaphroditus. Doesn't get much more of a mention. But that's what he was like. He risked his life for Paul. And then in Romans chapter 16, you read a whole list of names there of men and women who are serving together in the gospel. And Paul pulls out Prisca and Aquila. And he says about them, they risked their own necks for me. They risked their lives for me. That speaks about the cost of the mission as well. That it's not going to be easy. Their sacrifice is involved. And Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And it's, to be, it's important that, that, that the always when following Jesus to keep coming back to what does a disciple look like? Because Jesus said, if you take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself daily and follow me. That's what it looks like to be a disciple. To put to death our own kind of wills. And in fact, here they, they, try, they say this at the end after Paul is going to go. And they say, well, in verse 14, well, we, we, we just kind of, what's the word? We, we surrendered to the will of God, <laughs> as it were. They said, okay, Lord, your will be done. And didn't Jesus teach us to pray that way as well? Your will be done. And it's not a bad prayer to pray when things are tough, <laughs> actually. And when things are hard and things are not going the way we might want. But actually, Lord, your will be done. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you through this, even though there is a cost to this as well. And as I said at the beginning as well, I'm going to end that. Do you want to, I'm carrying, guys, do you want to come back up? And, and like I said, it's for all of us to be involved in this. And that doesn't mean that all of us are called to go, first of all, and start a church somewhere. It doesn't mean that at all. And we've seen here that all these people were not the ones traveling. They weren't the ones getting on boats, but they were the people praying for people. You also see them giving into the mission as well. You see them giving financially into stuff. That enables stuff to happen. That enables church plants to happen. As we give into the things we're doing together, both locally, but also beyond our borders as well. So praying, giving, and of course going. And that might be short term, like Grace did. Going over to Stockholm for a bit, encourage the churches there. And Mike Bollinger here, you know, he goes over and encourages churches and others will get caught up in that and have done as well and will do again as travel opens up. 
People can go out and spend time in other places and encourage them as well. So all of us can be involved in this in some way. And that's why we've put this on your chairs. Um, And there's also a table at the back with some stuff on with a map and the list of these churches. Because one thing you can do now, if you want to, you know, we're going to be leading a song. Yes. Good. (laughs) One thing you can do right now is pray. You could look at this list as we're worshipping and and singing, and you could pick out one of these churches and you could pray for them. So you could do that. Who here here prays? Does anyone pray? Right, good. Okay, if you pray, you might not be a Christian here, that's fine. But but if you do pray, then you can do that. Pick out one of these churches and pray for them. Now, if you want to take a step further, what you could do is think, okay, I could encourage one of these and maybe just pray for God to give you some encouraging words for one of these church plants and churches or church plants that we see on this list. And what we will do, I think, is there pens at the back? Is that right? Yeah, there's pens at the back over there and some little bits of paper, I think. Is that right as well? Yeah, I'm getting nods. Brilliant. (laughs) You can go over there if you want. You can write an encouragement, write the name of the church and give it to Ben (laughs) at the end. And we will make sure that um, those encouraging words get to those churches. All right? So this is a way that you and I can be involved in this today, right now. So shall we stand? And I'll have to pray for us. And then, like I say, pick a church, pray for it. And if you want to write some encouraging stuff, then do that as well. Lord, I want to thank you. I do. Oh, thank you so much, Lord, that, that we are. We are recipients. We are here today in Lowestoft in 2022 because men and women that we've never met hundreds of years ago decided to say, do you know what, I think we'll take the gospel on to the next place. It may be in the next village, it may be in the next town, next city, it may be in the next country. And those men and women did that at great cost. But we are grateful because we are recipients today of that. And we stand here today because of that. And so, Lord, here we are in our generation. And we just want to do the same in whatever way you call us to be involved. Thank you for the richness that we see just in this one passage of the diversity of people with all different giftings and some staying, some going, some opening their homes up, some encouraging, some praying for them, some giving, and all the rest of it, each one playing their part. And the church goes forward. The gospel goes to the nations. And more men and women come to the knowledge of you. And that's got to be a good thing. Well, you told us to do it, Lord. <laughs> but it's a good thing, Lord. And we want to be, play our part in that. Thank you for the way this church has and does do this. This isn't like a new thing. But we pray as we're coming out of covid and other things lord we pray lord just keep reinforcing this to us renew it to us again stitch it back into us as a church lord jesus and bed it in once again to our hearts that each one of us can have an impact in this in whatever way you call us to from the oldest to the youngest jesus yeah keep building us together amen